0: Hi, I'm Jessica, and when I'm not drinking all the coffee, watching Razorback sports, or hanging out with my family of boys, it's my passion to help elementary music teachers just like you find your unique teaching style. My goal with this podcast is to share helpful tips, strategies, and to give you the motivation you need to gain momentum in your teaching so you can continue being the music teacher rock star you already are. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Elementary Music Teacher Podcast. I am joined today on episode 86 by the amazing Paige Bell, and we are going to discuss five practical ways to implement social and emotional learning strategies in the music classroom. This is an amazing episode and I seriously cannot wait for you to listen in because she gives practical tips and strategies to really connect with your students in the music room. I know it's difficult and tough because you only see your students for a limited amount of time, but she really presents some great ideas that you will be able to walk away with and even implement at as little as one strategy tomorrow in your music room. This is something music teachers ask a lot about because, like I said, you only see your students for a limited amount of time. It's difficult to know how to connect with them and how to help them connect with others in a deeper way. So we are going to go into all that in this episode today. So let me tell you a little bit more about Paige before we get started today. She is the blogger at Simple Music Teaching, and she also has a Teacher Pay Teacher store, and you can find her all over social media um, by looking up simple to music teaching and also the links to all of her social media and her blog and her TPT store are on the show notes as well. But she loves to share simple, effective lesson ideas and resources. She's a self-proclaimed minimalist music teacher. And we talk a little bit about that at the beginning of this episode. What exactly does that mean? She enjoys inspiring teachers to say no more often so that you can say yes to things that really matter and live a more balanced life with less burnout she's been teaching music at a large title one elementary school in dallas texas for six years she specializes in ukulele guitar social emotional learning technology and classroom management she loves morning routines running and Thai food and she loves reading non-fiction books She's a coffee shop dweller, traveler, introvert, songwriter, and entrepreneur. So she does a a little bit of it all, guys. She's been married to her favorite human, as she calls him, for six years and has an energetic blue healer dog. So like I said, look at the show notes for how to connect with Paige on social media and her blog. And also she has a band called Narwhals and Waterfalls, which you can find a link to that as well. And in the show notes, One more thing I included is she provided several resources that she mentions in this episode and there's a link to get to all the resources she mentions inside the show notes as well. I just put it on my website so the link is in the show notes. If you click on that, it'll take you to the resources she mentioned. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get started with this episode because you guys are going to get so much value. I hope you have a paper and pen ready. If you're listening in your car, just listen back to this later because you are going to want to take notes on what she says because this episode is awesome and it's, yeah, you're just going to love it. So let's go ahead and just get started.
1: Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. I am so excited to be joined by my guest today, Paige, and I'm going to let her just take it away and tell you a little bit more about herself. So Paige, welcome to the podcast. Hi, it's so good to be here. Um, So
2: I'll tell you a little bit about my blog first. Uh, My mission with Simple Music Teaching um, is to share, you know, effective and like really straightforward, simple lesson ideas and resources. Um, and I just, I love offering free stuff, mostly. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I do have a, a Teachers Pay Teachers store. Uh, but but um, I'm also a self-proclaimed minimalist music teacher. So I love like inspiring teachers to say no more often so that they can say yes to things that really matter and like live a more balanced life and have less burnout overall. Um, and I've been teaching music at a large Title I school elementary school in Dallas, Texas for 6 years. And um and I tend to specialize in ukulele, guitar, um social emotional learning and classroom management. So
1: that's a little bit about my blog. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I okay, so this is not something I was going to ask you but you piqued my interest. So I want you to explain to the listeners a little bit about what it means to be a minimalist music teacher to you.
2: Oh yeah, that's, I mean, it's kind of packed. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot in there. Uh, <laughs> but for me, it starts with kind of the mindset of being minimalist. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it overflows into the material items. So in my mind, being minimalist is really just prioritizing your uh, essential needs mm-hmm. and and making sure to, figure out what are your priorities so that other people don't tell you so that other people don't prioritize your life for you. <laughs> and, uh, and I find that's really tough as a music teacher because you see all the students you're, you know, chatting with all the teachers and collaborating with them. And so you have to learn to say no, otherwise you will get bombarded with so many things. I love and then, that. yeah. And then after that, it sort of becomes, um, a material thing, like for me, not, you know, kind of going more towards technology, Mm -hmm. more towards, um, sharing items with people instead of like having to buy all new things or, you know, keeping many materials that I don't even use. Mm -hmm. So just being mindful really.
1: Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that so much because I have said that too, because it gets overwhelming when you go to many workshops and trainings and wherever else and you see all these materials or you walk into someone else's classroom and you see all the stuff they've accumulated and you think oh I need all that too or I need to work my way up to that but that's not necessarily true you know right you can teach music if your kids have a body and they have a voice I mean that's (laughs) honestly the truth you know I love that so much that's amazing um you've definitely just found your niche and your teaching style and you know a unique way of putting it I love that um, okay, so to shift gears a little bit, we are going to have a conversation today around the top five practical ways to implement social and emotional learning strategies in the music classroom. So I'm just going to kind of let you take it away a little bit and explain to everybody what that means and yeah, your heart behind this and everything. Yeah, sure. Um,
2: so a little bit about, to give you a little bit of background, um, I teach like I said, at a Title I public elementary school, um, and it's a large school district. I teach kindergarten through fifth grade, and my first couple of years, I found it really hard to build meaningful relationships with all of my 700 students, mm-hmm. and that is definitely not something that they really you know, teach you in depth in
1: college. <laughs> yeah, oh, True.
2: Yeah, and I, and I sort of thought, you know, I'm a friendly person. I, you know, work well with kids. I'll be totally fine. Everything will be great. <laughs> um, <laughs> but then um, I found out that I was sort of in survival mode mm-hmm. the first couple of years with 700 students. And I know a lot of music teachers out there, especially in public school, have, you know, 700, four, 300, 400, you know, upwards of a 1,000 even and so I thought, like, how am I going to fit in this relational component with my students? Um, and what research has shown is that students will learn more from teachers that they know care about them hmm. and care about their their life. And so even though I had really good intentions thinking, oh, I'm, you know, I want to show the students I care. Um, and I thought, you know, I'm friendly. I can do this. <laughs> um, the intentions didn't really go as planned. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that they were perceiving it the same way, um, as I was, you know, putting up, putting it out there. And so one thing that has helped me a lot is social emotional learning. And, you know, I think it's become a really hot topic right now. Mm-hmm. Social emotional learning. It's, you know, in a lot of our trainings at the beginning of the year, they're Embedding it in, you know, professional developments and things like that. Um, and I know some teachers are kind of skeptical, thinking like, "Oh gosh, like, is this just one more thing that I have right. to add to my plate?" Uh, but for me, it's it actually kind of helps take things off of my plate because it also serves as um, a classroom management tool. Yeah. And so uh, that's helped me a lot. And I. We'd we'll first like to talk a little bit about the, um, the definition of social-emotional learning. Yeah. Um, I'm going to try not to get too technical with it and not just read it.
1: Oh, no, um, you're totally fine.
2: <laughs> but one of the leading resources is castle.org right now. And SEL is the process through which children and adults understand and manage emotions, achieve goals, and feel empathy towards others and um and it shows that in research it shows that it helps students to have higher academic achievement and help manage stress and depression um and one reason i really liked it is because or i was drawn to it is because i saw um a lot of my students come to class with really kind of turmoil going on
1: mm-hmm.
2: emotionally and things going on in their life that I couldn't even fathom going through. Right. And so I thought, you know, some students would come to my room and, you know, as a first year, when I was a first year music teacher, you know, I'm a I was a young, you know, young looking um woman. And I felt like I had to work harder for respect. Yeah. From the kids. And so I was a little bit stern with a student saying, these are my rules, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like here's the consequences for not following the rules.
1: Well, and that's what's in, you know, like drilled in your head in college too, Because classroom management is just procedures going over the rules and being strict. That was one of the things my mentor teacher told me my very first year, be really hard on the kids at first and then you can loosen up. And so I was, I was, but yeah. I realized like, I was like, I mean, I see the point of that, but like you said, there's no like connecting going on. So yeah.
2: Yes. I heard from so many mentors to like, not smile until Christmas. Oh my goodness. <laughs> That's just like, I heard that so many times yeah. and my face is just naturally a smile. Mm-hmm. So it's really hard for me to, <laughs> to do that. <laughs> um, but I kept telling myself, okay, I'm going to be really stern and it's going to pay off later. And for the majority of kids, it worked, and I survived my first year. So for those of you who are first year teachers, you will survive, yes. and you won't traumatize too many kids. <laughs> yes you 'll be fine. Um, but the reason I like social emotional learning is because it 's a way to connect with kids and gain their respect so that they will be able to achieve more in your class and they will be able to learn more and Of course, it's not going to look perfect at all times, but I am hoping that I can offer just some practical tips because that's one thing I am really big on is offering tangible, practical tips that actually work and are easy for music teachers to implement because we've got so much going on and we have kids rotating through our classrooms And um, sometimes it's overwhelming and we think, how are we going to fit everything in? You know, how can I even fit in the standards? But then on top of that, um, develop these tight-knit relationships with the kids. So that's why I got really excited about social-emotional learning when it first came out. And so, yeah, yeah, that's kind of the background on how I got
1: started with it. Oh, I love that so much. Before we started recording, I told you that was my experience. Um, I taught at a very rough school, and it was kind of like one of those situations where I walked in, there hadn't been a music teacher in a long time, but like, so the teachers that had been around a while were just like, oh, good luck, everybody leaves, or, oh, they're going to, you know, they're going to eat you alive, all the comments, (laughs) of course, and then all those uh, air quotes, advice, just be hard, be hard on them, da, da, da. And, and so I was like, I was already intimidated when I got the kids the first week. Cause I was like, Oh, I'm just expecting. And I did. I had physical fights in my room and things thrown. It was, it was crazy. And so, you know, there wasn't a lot of emotional connection going on. It was just like you said, survival mode. Yes. Y'all have to start somewhere, but man, it is so true. These kids a lot of times don't feel like they have emotionally connected with, connected with an adult in a while. And on top of that, a lot of times they don't know how they don't. And one of the biggest things I hear from the teachers I work with is like you said, but I'm just the music teacher or I only see the students, you know, whatever it is, 45 minutes once a week. Um, I can't emotionally connect with my kids. I, there's no way I don't see them enough times. And so I know, like you said, it seems like it's just one more thing on their plate and it's overwhelming. So I'm just really excited for you to share some, like you said, practical strategies, because I'm all about the practical tips too. And yes, you walk away with it and go, man, okay, I can implement that tomorrow. So go yeah. ahead and just share with us your five tips and, um, yeah. All right. Away.
2: Let's do it. Um, I just want to say one more thing before I get started. And that's, um, in my my district, we have something called a student survey. And so 30 students from third through fifth grade get chosen to take this survey on their teachers. And one reason I knew that I needed to work on these relationships is that a part of that student survey is one of the categories was supportive relationships. Mm -hmm. And my first year, my score overall was 63%. it was low. And that was, you know, that was my second year. But then after implementing all this, all these social emotional learning strategies, it went all the way up to 93%. Oh, wow. And in that category, they're asked questions like, how often does your teacher really want um, to learn about how you are? Um, How much does this teacher ask you what you want to be when you grow up? And if you had something on your mind, how carefully would this teacher listen to you? Hmm. And so that's, the kids are asking, are being asked those questions in the student survey. And so the first year when I got those scores back, the low scores back, I was devastated. Mm -hmm. Because I thought, oh my gosh, like my intentions were good. Um, Which leads me to a quote from Thomas Edison that, um, where he says, a good intention with a bad approach often leads to a poor result. Hmm. And so- yeah so even if you have good intentions, sometimes they're not shown, and so these tips are going to help you kind of show your true care for your students. Yes So the first tip is uh, implementing a feelings check-in or greeting hmm. and so this was a game changer for me, and it's really easy. So what I did was I printed off some emojis and I taped them to a magnetic board and I always greet my students in the hallway as they're lined up outside of my classroom. And I have them um, I have them put a magnet on which emoji they felt that day. And after a while, that wasn't practical anymore. So I started because, you know, you see so many kids and the magnets get lost. So I just, you know,
1: <laughs> nix the magnets, <laughs> you know? They're like, well, I feel this emotion, but I can't find it. <laughs> right? So I just, after a
2: while, you know, I would just hold yeah. the emoji board um, and I would have them point Mm -hmm. on their way in the classroom and that was so simple but so effective because you know they might point at the emoji that says tired and I would ask them you know why are you tired what's going on and it just opens up this little tiny conversation with them before you walk in and you get a sense of how they're going to act in your class Mm -hmm too. And so that's just so simple. You just, I found it on teachers pay teachers. Um, you can find little mood meters or feelings meters, and that will be in the resource list that I sent you. Yeah. Um, and so that's the first thing that I started incorporating and I absolutely love doing that. Um, and the second tip is incorporating a Zen zone into your class. And so I have a corner in my classroom. It's in the back and it's called a Zen zone. And if a student comes into my classroom and they're like actively crying, they're angry and upset, I give them the option to cool off in the okay. Zen zone for five minutes and then return, return to class. And it's not super fancy, yeah. you know, it's, but it's really effective. Um, a couple things I keep over there are a poster with breathing techniques, stress balls, feelings journal sensory play items books calming coloring sheets and you know different things like that and and I've created some things with um the band that I'm in we're called narwhals and waterfalls
0: mm-hmm.
2: and we also have a teacher's pay teacher store with a bunch of little uh, coloring sheets that are calming for the kids yeah you can put that in the zen zone you can also make it fancy if you're into being fancy. You could get a beanbag or a couch, but I just used a large desk that I was that I wasn't currently using. Yeah, and it, you know, it works great. And most of the time, my students don't overuse this area, which is something I've got asked by music teachers like, "Oh, is, do they want to go there just for fun?" But normally, they don't overuse it, and they'll they'll say, "Hey, Miss Bell, I." I need to go back there. Or I'll tell them, you need to go to the Zen zone. <laughs> it's time.
1: Yeah, you're done. <laughs> uh, you're going to the Zen zone. You get five minutes. Do you ever put yourself in the Zen zone? <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> That's a conversation for another day, right? I would love that. <laughs> you're like, if you guys only knew when you're an adult, how much we would need this, okay? <laughs>
2: an adult Zen zone. Oh yes. yeah. But a lot of times I get you know, even those students that are, don't even belong in my classroom, but I call them the um, walkie-talkie students, um, which are the ones that, do you know what I'm talking about? Yes,
1: I already <laughs> do without you saying it.
2: The ones <laughs> that administrators, like, aren't sure what to do with, and they're yes. kind of walking around the hallways with them. Mm-hmm. Those are the kids that end up coming into my class, you know, and the administrator's like, oh, they want to come in your class? And I'm like, yeah, I've got a Zen zone. <laughs> oh, gosh. So it ends up being a really, like, nice calming place for, for kids who really need to let off some steam and kind of cool, do- cool down.
1: I love that. So yeah. it just made me think of, um, without you even knowing, my son, my oldest son um, – went to a new elementary school this year. He's in a, like a mm-hmm. special class for autistic kids. It's a socially, I mean, not socially, um, what do they call it? Academically linked classroom. I think they call it different things in different states. But anyways, one of the things I loved about that classroom when I walked in is she has two, I think she just calls them quiet areas or something. But I think, I think that like every classroom needs that, whether it's a special needs class, music classroom, whatever subject, I even like older kids, because it's amazing. When I went in there to visit the school, these kids would walk over there. And like you said, they didn't abuse the area. And then after they knew they kind of like self-regulated and knew, okay, I'm ready to come back. But I think sometimes, and you've probably noticed this, what ends up happening is if you just keep trying to teach over the, first of all, I love the idea about the emojis, because like you said, you're identifying where your students are when they come into the room. Mm -hmm. And if you just start class and you don't you don't know unless you at and you know you're not even asking them verbally, having them point at a picture, but you don't know what just happened on the playground or um, in their classroom or wherever they're coming from in the school building. A lot of times, a lot of the issues are just because of something that happened before they came to you. Yeah. But them identify where they're at. You're already aware of like emotionally. Okay, where are these kids? So if they're having a rough day of not participating or acting sleepy, you're aware but Having an area of where they can go, I think that's genius. And honestly, I'm not just saying that. I mean, I think it makes me wonder, like, why did I never think of this? It's like one of those. Like, it's the simplest ideas that are honestly they go the furthest. Yes, and back to your minimalism, you know, music teacher. It's it's true. It's the simplest ideas. Um, just keeping it simple and just. You know, yeah, Yeah. giving kids time to process their emotions so they're able to come back and rejoin is such a great, great idea.
2: Yeah, and there's actually five core competencies in social emotional learning, which are uh, self management, self awareness, social awareness, responsible decision making, and relationship skills. Mm -hmm. And by you know by helping the kids have a place, by giving them a safe space in the classroom. You're, and explain, you kind of need to explain it to the kids, like yeah. when you're setting up your rules in the classroom or even, you know, the first week you implement it, but you're giving them a tool to, like you said, self-regulate mm-hmm. and manage their emotions, which is something that a lot of kids really struggle with.
1: Mm-hmm. So oh, I agree with, yeah, yeah, yeah. perfect. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. So what is number three?
2: All right. So number three is breathing exercises and meditation. And so you don't have to call it meditation if you're not into that. It could just be a mindfulness practice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so one of the most challenging things about teaching pre-K through fifth grade is that what works for one class like could completely flop in another class. Have you ever had that happen? Oh,
1: yeah. Isn't that crazy how that works? <laughs> You have good intentions. You're like, all oh, fourth grade's going to do this. And then not so much. <laughs> yes. It's just and something about the dynamics of the students that are put together. I don't know. You're like, who put this schedule together? Literally, I've had that happen <laughs> so many
2: times. And it just boggles my brain. I know. It's one of those things I still don't quite understand. But one thing I've kind of chalked it up to is like a different energy level. Mm-hmm. different, and a different, I think different skill levels for sure. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so definitely. Definitely different energy levels. And so it could definitely change from week to week too. Yeah. So one thing that kind of helps in that case is, um, is like, okay, so the other day I had a kindergarten class come in and they were wild. You know, I did all yeah. of the, I did all of the things in my tool book, you know, I lined them up quietly. I used my classroom management system. Like if they all sit down, they get a and behavior mark, which leads to a party eventually. And they just were not having it. And they were just wiggly. And you know, one kid over in the corner, like kind of like fake punching another kid. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, what am I gonna do? Yeah. And so I typed into my YouTube I typed mindful meditation video for kids. And there's this little video that I also sent you in the resource list. Okay. That it has a monkey on it and the monkey is kind of like in a meditative pose. And it's a guided meditation that's 12 minutes and it's a, and in the video, you know, there's a woman that's calmly saying things like all right, take a deep breath in, you know, and exhale and all these, you know, guided meditative practices, mm-hmm. and the kids get so into it.
1: That's awesome.
2: <laughs> it literally blew my mind that when I, you know, when I did that with my super rowdy kindergarten class, but they literally all stopped and closed their eyes really tight Aww. and got their little fingers in their meditative pose. <laughs> and they sat there like that for, you know, five to 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And so you could turn on the YouTube video like that. Yeah. Um, Or you could kind of walk them through a little meditation yourself and turn off the lights and say, all right, everyone, um, close your eyes. Imagine you're, you know, in a a happy place and, you know, something really simple. It doesn't have to be complicated. Um, But it's helped out a lot, especially with those classes. I've done it with kids from pre-K all the way through fifth. And it could be beginning of class, you know, a little break in the middle or at the end. Teachers love it when I do it at the end of class because then I send them back with their teacher all calm and send yes.
1: out. <laughs> yes. Oh, ending class with a calming activity is <laughs> definitely a plus for everyone involved. <laughs> yeah but i feel like that goes back to the like you like you know we just talked about keeping it simple the simplest ideas i feel like go the furthest and mm-hmm. and it is one of those it's not like you just knew what to do it's i i hope the listeners that are hearing this hear that you just <clears throat> saw your students needs and you decided this isn't working so instead of just keep trying things that aren't working you decided you know, you probably saw that YouTube video and you're like, yeah, that's not going to work. There's no way it's going (laughs) to work. And you're like, oh my gosh, what? And so it just goes to show you that just try something. And then if it ends up not working, then you move on to the next thing, but just try it. But seriously, there's something about turning off the lights. Yes. And just, I don't know what that is that calms kids. It's just almost like they just It's like just signifies to them like, oh, this is time for me to be quiet. It's something, I don't know. It's like, it always makes me wonder like, why, why did they view that as the quiet signal? (laughs) (laughs) They're like, oh, it's time for a nap. (laughs) Yes, I know. Probably is part of it.
2: Yes. And, and one thing that I love about it is I also join them in the mindfulness practice because honestly, sometimes I need it even more than they do. Yeah. Because sometimes, you know, I feel like every teacher has those days where we come in and it's been a long night or it's been, you know, we have a b- pounding headache mm-hmm. and we, lit- we literally need five minutes to breathe. Yeah. And so even showing your students, like, hey, sometimes Mrs. Bell is not always feeling happy. Sometimes Mrs. Bell feels overwhelmed and needs to take a break too. Right. You know, and that shows the kids that we're human Mm -hmm. and that, that gives them the permission to also be human.
1: Yeah. You're showing your realness in front of your students. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. like you said, you're a human. I feel like, you know, we talked about how, you know, you can be so hard on your kids or Mm -hmm. that's the advice you're given. Well, they're not all the, the only human side they're seeing of you is just your, you're harsh and you're, you know, just Oh, they're gonna obey because they're like, oh, well, she's hard in here. I don't want to get in trouble, right? So, you know, like you said, there's no connection um, in them seeing like I mess up sometimes, or I sometimes get sad, or sometimes I have a rough day, or I couldn't sleep last night. Just seeing the real side of you, I feel like definitely helps them, you know, a lot. Like you said, being able to feel their emotions as well, right? And and honestly, this has helped
2: so much with the relationships with my students. Um, I really do feel like it's been a game changer and the students that I used to have some um, tension with, all the the barriers have broken down Mm -hmm. and I'm able to calmly say to them like, Hey, Brooklyn, (laughs) could you, could you please, you know, sit quietly because, you know, remember what we talked about earlier or kind of like establishing that connection or, Hey, I remember that you had a bad day, but we'll get through this. Just right. something kind of encouraging that that's more supportive than it is, um, than it is like a, a negative.
1: <laughs> yeah. Instead of you saying something like, sit down and be quiet. I'm not asking you again. You're, right. you're, you know, it's not like you're letting those students just get away with whatever, but you're right. able to connect with them like in a loving way, you know? Right. like Yeah. I totally understand that.
2: Yeah. And like I said, I would, for the majority of kids, I think this works really well, but you are going to have, you know, just the few students that do test it. Yes. So, but I've had really good success with this kind of approach and it's yeah. more, it feels more um, true to who I am as a person, instead of kind of feeling like a military sergeant <laughs> at, yeah. by day, right? And like, you know, Zen page by night. Yeah. (laughs) So it helps me kind of like even meld my, you know, personal life with professional life Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. So, and also the, um, so for those of you who might not know, I'm also in a band that writes social emotional learning songs and we have a breathing song. That's a YouTube video that you could also use as a, a little break in your class. Oh yeah, and it teaches them like animal breaths, like the butterfly breath, crocodile, pufferfish, and dolphin. And it's kind of like you breathe in um, with the as as a butterfly with butterfly wings, and then breathe out as the butterfly wings go down.
1: Oh, that's so cute! I
2: love that. Yeah, so just a couple of little techniques there to help them. And research has proven that you know deep breathing can help you reduce anxiety and like slow your heart rate and lower blood pressure. Yeah. So there's a, definitely like some chemical and like bodily benefits
1: yeah. to it as well. Definitely. Oh, I love that yeah. so much. Yeah. Well, what is number four? All right. So number four is kind of, I
2: think it's one of the most difficult, difficult ones because it's practicing social, emotional learning for yourself. Mm. And I mean there's been a lot of buzz on self-care, but sometimes it gets it, it gets confusing, like what is self-care? Right. Oh, completely. Uh, is it getting your nails done? Yeah. Is it exercising? You know, what what can I do? That's the magic pill for social emotional learning or self-care. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry to tell you that there is not one. Yeah. Um, but I think that this piece often goes overlooked for teachers. Um, if But if we're not prioritizing our mental health, we feel burnt out really quickly and we want to quit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we come home and are like, you know what?
1: I'm not coming back. Yeah. Uh,
2: but one way that I prioritize my mental health it, and in a practical way is by having a morning routine. Um, it sounds kind of like crazy to some, but I wake up at 5 a.m. every morning in order to have like one hour to devote to my self-care. And I'm currently reading the 5am club. It's a book by Robin Sharma. And he talks about the 20, 20, 20 rule. And that is you break up, you know, 60 minute hour into three pieces into 20 minutes. And the first 20 minutes you start with movement. And so I've been incorporating yoga But if you're more of a like a (laughs) CrossFitter, then go for go for it. Um, And the next twenty minutes is reflection, so maybe journaling or meditation. And the last twenty minutes is personal growth. Maybe you're listening to Jessica's amazing podcast, and you know, (laughs) maybe you're reading a book um, that's helping you grow as a person. And during the school day, I can tell that I feel a lot better and grounded, and more patient with my students if I'm, if I've really done this morning routine. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah,
1: Yeah. and that's, oh my goodness, it's so true, because you have good intentions as your day goes on, Mm -hmm. but as we all know, life is busy, and your day gets rolling, and it's kind of like a snowball that just keeps getting bigger and bigger, and then you're like, okay, I'll do all this stuff at night, but you come home, you're tired, and then you, like, back to self-care, sometimes that just looks like watching TV, TV yeah. or whatever, you know, or going to sleep, but God forbid. But when you get up intentionally in the morning early to allow yourself time. And I love that. I've never heard that 20, 20, 20 rule. That's awesome. But that is the one time that no one is around you no one's bothering you. No one's asking you to do something for them. And that is the perfect time to practice self-care. And like you said, it's going to look different for everyone, but that is hard though, to get yourself into the routine of waking up early. Oh yeah. It just, it just takes practice, right? Just like anything else. Just like, I guess if you tell your brain, I'm waking up at this time, how long did that take you to, I'm curious to get used to getting up that early once you started?
2: So, um, I'm going to be honest. The first.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love so I, honesty.
2: <laughs> so, I started it last year. Okay. Um, I didn't quite do the 20 20 20 rule because I hadn't yet read this book, but I was doing more of like a 5 5 5 thing. Right. You know, which is totally fine as long as you get up and sort of just get used to taking some time for yourself. Mm-hmm. I, I do these yoga videos that are five minutes. It's called Yoga with Adrian. Okay. And literally five minutes. And my motto for last year was like, you know what? It'll do something. Hmm. And, so, you know, even if it's five minutes of a little bit of movement, five minutes of journal reflection, and five minutes of personal growth, that's going to take you so far.
1: Oh, totally. So it adds
2: up. It totally adds up. And so for me, it did not start as a 5 a.m. situation. <laughs> it was more like a get up 10 minutes before my alarm situation, which yeah. turned into 10 minutes after my alarm. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's definitely a progress because it takes about 66 days to actually form a habit.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, that's the research that, um, that I've been reading in this book. And yeah. so it might take you a while, but start small. Like just wake up and do something that you love. Like get your cup of tea, get your cup of coffee and just sit there quietly for five minutes, <laughs> right. and then, like, as you go, kind of progress into something that makes more sense for you. Um, the reason why I like 5 a.m. is because, I mean, elementary school starts so dang early.
1: Right? Uh, I, mean, I mean, why?
2: Gosh. <laughs> I know. And this year, they moved it up 10 minutes.
1: Uh, which makes all the difference, doesn't it? it? Does four minutes. Oh my gosh.
2: Seriously. I was like, why did you do this to me? Um, So, so anyway, it's, it's really up to you how you work that out in the morning, but start slow and eventually you'll get used to it and enjoy the feeling you have during the day. And when you, you know, when you see that the benefits pay off, you'll kind of want to start waking up early and see like, what all can I actually fit in right in this time? Um, Another thing is like, you know, besides the morning routine with, um, self-care kind of, um, setting boundaries with parents and students will help. Um, even seeing a therapist diving into a hobby, reading books, call up an old friend, take that bath. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. Take that bath, get that oil diffuser and, you know, just do something that feels right to you, but make sure it's something that's really like kind of, Helps helps you as a person. Um, I I mean I love like eating cake, but I wouldn't necessarily say that's self care. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, to someone it might be, but I know I think maybe looking more like into your mental health. Yeah, could be more of like that social emotional learning component. Yeah. Um, sometimes cake might be involved,
1: but <laughs> <laughs> just as an example. <laughs> right, right. No, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. You have to take, I I love that you said too, I jotted this down when you said it, because setting boundaries with parents and students, I think oh. it's huge. And that also goes al- along with the teachers in your school too, because they're yeah. going to come at you with so many requests too, and your principal. I mean, and saying it in a respectful way, but you have to be you know, the same way you honor their request and they're asking you to do things and you have to honor yourself too. You And yes. that goes to, for self-care. You have to, I notice that is when I start feeling the most overwhelmed is when I am just giving, 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 giving. And then, you know, sometimes you think, well, taking care of myself is selfish, but it's not because you can't pour from an empty cup. And so I think sometimes music teachers forget that is, when is the last time you've done anything for yourself? When is the last time you've read a book or maybe you're not a reader or like you said, taking a bath just for fun, just because you want to relax. And there's nothing wrong with that. Everything else can wait and it's okay. The world is not going to (laughs) end. Yeah. So important.
2: Yeah. And I think that's something that like a lot of music teachers maybe struggle with, but, you know, it's coming from a good place. Like so many of us, would do anything for our students,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know we would do anything to make our schools better places, but you know there there are boundaries that you need to set to help you actually be more effective at doing those things, yeah, so if you think about it, it's actually better for your students yes. if you take time and set boundaries because then you're then you can really prioritize and narrow it down to, like, a few things that you're really passionate about that you can be, like, super effective with rather than, you know, like, a hundred things that are kind of get, you know, half done.
1: <laughs> yes. Oh, I completely agree with that completely.
2: Yeah, uh, and I've been there. I've yeah. been there, too, and and it's definitely a work in progress, and I feel like the last couple of years I've been slowly delegating things and then, like, honing in on on those Projects and those after school programs that, like, I really am passionate about and want to make, um, you know, really amazing strides
1: with. Yeah. And to a first year teacher listening to this, it takes time. It does. It takes time. You see these, you know, teachers talking about things or hear teachers talking about things, and you're like, I want that. But I feel like I think back to my first year teaching, and I mean, it's overwhelming. So, Year one is like a learning curve. It's like a, I like you said, I can get through this and survive. go, yes, but then year two, the cool thing is you're like, okay, reflecting on year one and saying, okay, I want to do these things. I need to take care of myself better and here's how I can. And then year three, it just keeps getting better and easier because you are learning your teaching style, learning how to take care of yourself, learning how you said, like you said, delegating out tasks that can get done. Um, It just time. So if you're listening to this and you're a new music teacher and you're like, I want to do all this, it just takes time and you will get there. I promise.
2: Yes. And, and like, you know, if, if it's your first time incorporating social emotional learning, just try one or two of the things like just try a feelings meter at the, you know, as the students are walking in, try a morning greeting. Like I've seen these, one thing that I do in my classroom is, you know, I have like the Different symbols for greetings, like a handshake, Mm -hmm. a high five, a hug, and you know, and they kind of choose which one they want, and and then we greet each other that way.
1: I've seen those, yeah, I've seen like videos of that being done. That's awesome, and it's so simple.
2: You can find it again on Teachers Pay Teachers, like, there's so many good things. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's really effective too because they feel like, oh wow, you know she's taking my teacher's taking like a tiny bit of time to like really connect with me yes. And it's just like those little tiny baby things that you do yes <laughs> so if you're you know first starting out with social emotional learning just incorporate that you know just incorporate one thing see how it goes and then
1: start adding more oh completely that's great advice yeah and, and did you have one more to share Yes, Out of number five. Okay, I yeah. thought so. Okay, yes.
2: So much to share. <laughs>
1: okay, no, awesome. No, this is yeah. great.
2: So the last one is dialogue. Mm. So one of my favorite things and people <laughs> is Mister Rogers. Oh yes. Um, and the reason one one of my favorite things about Mister Rogers was his ability to effectively dialogue with kids. And in his episodes of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, he would always propose thoughtful, open-ended questions to kids and like the opening monologues, you know? And when kids were on the show, he would ask them intentional questions and then express genuine interest in their answers. And um, he kind of inspired me on this one. But basically with dialogue, it can be as simple as you know asking them like how are you in the in the line when they're out you know when they're waiting outside of your classroom or when they're waiting to be picked up kind of showing like some curiosity in their lives yeah. um so just kind of taking any and every moment to dialogue with them so a difference between like my first year and now would be my first year i i'd be like okay line up we're all quiet we're not talking we're facing forward. No, you know, don't do anything. <laughs> Just stand on there. Um, but now I'm more like, okay, they're in line. I'm asking, I'm going up to each of them asking like, hey, what are you doing tonight? How are you? So it takes like a little bit of extra effort, but I guarantee you that it's worth it. And it's really simple. So that kind of dialogue has been really helpful. Yeah. 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 Um, That's awesome. And then like, A couple other things on that are you could have short morning meetings where you have an inspirational message at the beginning of your class. One thing I've done is I printed off about 30 different quotes and I put them in a transparency sheet at the front of my room. And every, I kind of have a quote of the week, you know, since we see the kids the whole week, Mm -hmm. um, I have a quote of the week and then they're usually like growth mindset quotes. Um, something about like not being afraid of failure. <laughs> yeah. And so I'll I'll read the quote at the beginning of class just really quick after their learning objective. And then the next week, I'll take that quote out and there'll be another one right behind it. Um, and so having a quote of the day is also a social emotional learning technique to have them really, you know, start thinking um, about big ideas like, and, and not being afraid of failure and like what that all means, like a growth mindset. Yes. Um, and you can find quotes of the day all over the internet. There's even like a hashtag on Instagram that's hashtag quote of the day or hashtag QOTD. Um, and then one of my favorite things to do this year is classroom circles, which is a restorative practice technique. And you can do this at the beginning of class or at the end of class. Or like, say you're having a circle activity with your kids, which are like one of my favorite things to do with my students. Yes. Um, after the circle activity, have them all sit back down in the circle and then pose a question like, how are you feeling today? What do you want to be when you grow up? What is one thing you um, wish everyone in the class knew about you? And then you pass around a talking stick. And for me, it's this little drum that I got in Guatemala. And I'll say, hey, this is really important to me. I went to Guatemala And I got this, and I love it so much. It's the talking piece. So whoever has the talking piece is the only person allowed to talk. And we established a norm that um, whoever has the talking piece is the only one who can talk. And you can other people can ask them clarifying questions, but they have to raise their hand. Yeah. And so establishing those norms and building respect, and you pass the talking piece through each of the students, and they're allowed to pass if they want to. But this is also a really simple thing you can do after a circle activity, or I've even heard of some teachers doing it beginning of class or end. Say you have an extra two minutes, just get them all in a circle and like pass around the talking piece.
1: Yes. I love that. It makes me think of, I had a teacher one time who had a, um, like a, uh, lost my train of thought, (laughs) this microphone, golly, Um, (laughs) did not have any batteries in it it or anything? Yeah. around the room and he would only he would always say only the person with the microphone gets to talk and so that's what it reminds me of I love that it's something as simple as just letting them know you know like not interrupting each other and taking turns to talk and being attentive listeners I think so many times music teachers think well I can't work on all that stuff in my classroom I'm just the music teacher but there are so many skills you can teach these kids and emotionally connecting with them and asking questions oh my gosh I love that so much that are not even related to music class, just about them as humans and about them as people, because they see you want to know them, you know, as more than just the music teacher. I think that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, And I'm sure that's gotten you so far with even classroom management. It's just the connection, connecting with your students. It makes them want to do right in your room and want to participate. Have you noticed a lot more engagement since you've started this?
2: Oh yeah. I mean, as I mentioned in the, in the student survey, you know, the kids have been scoring me higher in the supportive relationship category, and and not just that, but in class, I find that I find that I can just sort of look at a student, and you know, if they're kind of misbehaving, I'll just kind of look at them, and yeah. we have kind of a like understanding that's playful, and versus kind of a like fear, yeah, like versus them being afraid of me. Mm. Um, and I think that goes a long way. Um, of course, there are some times when I do have to be more stern. Yes. But to me, that's a last resort. Mm-hmm. And this has these strategies have really come in handy for for classroom management, for even like the work that they're willing to do for me, and how how much they try in my class. So it's been. It's really been a game changer in my class, which is why I like to talk about it, (laughs) and I and I've you know written songs about it, um, because I really I want to encourage music teachers to incorporate just a little bit, you know. It's just you can incorporate something super super tiny, and it will just totally make a huge difference in your class.
1: Mm -hmm. Oh, I know music teachers listening to this have gotten so much from this because there's a lot of them that have wanted to connect with their students more, but they just don't know how. And I know these tips and strategies that are going to definitely be able, like you said, to even apply one thing to their classroom. And they'll start subtly noting, noticing these, you know, changes and shifts in their room that they've been hoping for and wanting for a while. And so thank you so much for sharing today. I mean, this episode has been amazing. And I know the listeners are going to get so much out of this. And I want you to let everybody know, Paige, where they can find you and connect with you online. All right. Well, first
2: of all, I want to say thank you so much for having me. You are just such an awesome person, and I love what you're doing to help music teachers. Well, thank you. Yeah. Um, And you can find me at simplemusicteaching.com, which is my blog. And you can also find me on Instagram, on Facebook. Um, I like to connect with people there. And um, and also, for all the social emotional learning songs that I write, you can find me at narwhalsandwaterfalls.com, which will probably be in the show notes because it's it's a tough one to spell. No. <laughs> um, I'll admit, I didn't know how to spell narwhals when I even started the band.
1: So, <laughs> yes, it'll definitely be in the show notes. Honest to use the policy.
2: Um, yeah, and we also have songs on YouTube,
1: which you can find uh, from the website. Perfect. Oh, yeah. oh, well, thank you so much for sharing all that. And yes, all of those links will be in the show notes and definitely connect with Paige because you guys, I mean, just from listening to this episode, she's amazing and has so much insight to share and yeah, just connect with her, get to know her a little bit better online. Well, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. And I have just loved this conversation and um, I'm just honored to have you on the podcast.
0: Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening in to the Elementary Music Teacher Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And while you're there, I would love for you to review the show and leave a rating on iTunes. To find out more about how I can help you gain momentum in your elementary music teaching career, head to thedomesticmusician.com where you'll find free downloads, courses, the blog, and so much more. Continue teaching music and never doubt the impact you're making each and every day in the lives of your students.